This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinnies on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's Helen Farmer with you on Dubai Eye 103.8. Your chance to eat well, live well, shop well, cook well, and my goodness, get some inspiration from the best in the business. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food this afternoon, and as you know, we broadcast live from Expo every single Wednesday. So I was there yesterday, and I was fortunate enough to meet celebrity chef Alexander Smalls. He's also a Grammy and Tony award-winning opera singer. He's the man behind Alec Boulan, the first African dining hall. It's at the heart of Expo 2020. And it was a pleasure to sit down with him and have this chat. For anyone who's not familiar with the name Alcapulan, what does it mean and what does it mean to you? Well, well, it's the beginning of everything. I mean, it's the first name of Africa prior to the Europeans arriving. It's the first written Arabic name of the continent. And it means Garden of Eden, Mother of Mankind. Um, and clearly, as someone of the African diaspora, it, it, it is heartfelt and illuminating in the history of who we are as African people. And what do you think it means in terms of having the African Dining Hall with that name above it when we think about the context of Expo and what you want to be presenting to the world? Wow. I mean, how about everything? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is um, a love letter in a way to the ancestral um, wealth and heritage of uh, African people. Mm-hmm. truly is. And, you know, uh, Al-Kabulan really is speaking not only to the continent, but also to Africa's influence on five continents through slavery. Africa has influenced the global culinary conversation. And so at Al-Kabulan, we are very much celebrating um, that history and that stunning landscape. Through the power of food, one of my favourite things to talk about. And of course, yours, you've been recognised by James Beard. You've got best-selling books, um, numerous restaurants, of course, starting um, in New York. And it's, I almost feel like you probably didn't know where to start when it came to putting together the African Dining Hall. How were you approached to be the man to conceptualise this? Well, I think that question is almost twofold. The gathering of thoughts and ideas and creating the, the, the sort of properties of what Alkabulin is all about has been germinating with me for seemingly forever, I could say all my life, but certainly more recently, the last five, ten years, um, as a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I abruptly interrupted my operatic career, I... Um, I understood that what I wanted to do um, had to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. I wanted to embrace my culinary history, uh, the food of my my family, my parents, my my ancestors. And since my two languages, really um, artistic languages, were food and music. And so when music, um, uh, I sort of reached the point where I needed more, um, I decided that I would open the first uh, African-American fine dining kitchen in New York. Which was named, you know, best (laughs) new American restaurant in very quick succession to opening. But it really was welcomed with open arms and very hungry bellies. And it's also been a stunning, stunning journey. I mean, five uh, restaurants really talking about the the, uh, Africa's incredible 
impact and influence on culinary. The first three restaurants were really about the African-American kitchen. I took a 10-year hiatus, traveled all over the world, um, used the um, transatlantic slave trade as well as the eastern um, uh, ocean um, taking me all the way to China, understanding the footprint and influence of Africa through slavery. Uh, I found that there were slaves in China that dated back to the 1500s, for example. And, of course, Africa and China are like cousins when it comes to culinary and uh, foundational cooking based on rice and a lot of plant-based uh, ingredients. And so... After doing five restaurants in New York, the, the last of which was the restaurant that I created, Afro-Asian-American Cooking, and essentially that garnered the James Beard Award uh, with the cookbook Between Harlem and Heaven, I then understood that there really needed to be a platform that elevated and expanded the narrative of African food. And maybe bust a few myths and address some misconceptions as well. Absolutely. In conversation with Chef Alexander Smalls, the man behind the first African dining hall, it's right here in Dubai. Al-Kibilan is located at Expo 2020. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Great to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon, getting you in the mood for the weekend with some food, of course. And yesterday I got to sit down with Chef Alexander Smalls. He is the man behind Alkbulan. It is the first African dining hall. It's at Expo 2020, right next to that enormous water feature. And it is, well, quite something special, to be honest. It is at the heart of Expo, and this is what I asked him. What do you think are some of the big misunderstandings around the cuisine? Uh, to begin with, uh, most people don't know what it is. They have, first of all, most people think that Africa is a country, not a continent. So, I mean, essentially, you have this incredible uh, continent with regional cooking. That Huge has, diversities. Yes, incredibly. And yet people just think it's one big pot in the backyard of somebody's house, you know, <laughs> and just stew all day. So it was important. Uh, much in the same way as I approached the African-American kitchen to create a modern contemporary uh, concept that brought African food to the uh, foreground. And so this is what we've done at Alkabulan. We've taken some of the best culinary practitioners um, and had them bring their regional cooking to... um, to Al-Kibulan and and showcase it in in this unique setting provided by the uh, uh, Expo 2020 Dubai. And and look where we are, right (laughs) right next to the fountain, two two stories, beautiful view over the Jubilee stage and always a great atmosphere. In terms of that diversity, that is really well represented within um, these kind of four walls, so to speak. And you've also got visiting chefs coming to do absolute kind pop-ups. Of pop-ups. Yes. So, can you tell us about some of the names well, that you're excited about? That um, you know, I have um, I have um, Chef Omar Tate, for example, who was voted uh, uh, Times uh, Top 100 to, to coming into their own this year, and I was very fortunate to re- write the bio uh, for his Time uh, photo. Um, he's coming, and he does uh, extraordinary, um, you know, African American kitchen uh, out of Philadelphia. I have Chef Kwame, uh, who is the talk of the town and truly a stellar young chef who has set the world on fire. Um, he also has a James Beard Award. He has st- um, his first 
uh, cookbook memoir is being turned into a movie. Um, he has a dashing style of, of uh, Nigerian influence, Cuban influence, New Orleans. He's doing something really very oh, special. He's got goosebumps. Yes. He must be pretty honored to have a man as stylish as you <laughs> calling him having a dash of style. Oh, yes. He's right something. And I've been fortunate to have known him for many years and be a mentor. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to him. We also have the wonderful Carla Hall, who is a celebrity chef uh, known for um, her fashionable uh, culinary uh, uh, cookings and offerings. Um, and she's quite um, a, a character in her own right, but she's also a very serious chef. And um, she's going to be bringing some wonderful delights. Uh, Pierre Cham, who is the Senegalese chef and one of the four uh, bearers of, of the modern Senegalese kitchen. Um, and many more. I mean, it's really uh, fasten your seatbelt. It all starts next month. I, I, and I wish you were able to stay in Dubai a little bit longer. Um, can we talk I'll about? I'll be back. You better be. Can we talk a little bit about where it all began for you? Where did you grow up, chef, and, and who was cooking? Well, you know, um, I come from a family uh, full of food and music. On my mother's side, uh, her father and her uncle were, were chefs. Well, in those days, they were called cooks. Um, uh, that shift is interesting, isn't well, it? Well, I tell you, the shift really is about, um, in many ways, James Beard. Once James Beard came from his tour of Europe and studying uh, abroad, etc., he came home and he essentially gave men permission to be chefs. He created um, uh, sort of celebrity chef, if you will. And so the, the dynamics uh, of cooking changed. I mean, essentially, all of a sudden, you used to have only black folks in the kitchen cooking. And then uh, it gave birth to sort of the Ralph Lauren um, white boy chef. Yeah. And, and it became an aspirational role. Absolutely. And, and in, in that process, though, what I understood for myself coming from uh, a family of cooks, proud cooks. So uh, on my father's side, his sister and his brother were cooks. My uncle Joe, my father's brother, was a part of the Harlem Renaissance. And he lived in Harlem, where I now live, proudly and excitedly. And celebrated. I love it. And his wife was a classical pianist. So when I was born, they had no children. They moved from Harlem back to South Carolina, where, where my family lived and hails from, and they oversaw my education. Chef Alexander Smalls there, having a chat with me at Expo 2020 yesterday. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food this afternoon and sitting down with an incredible chef. It's Alexander Smalls. He is the man behind the incredible Alkibulan. It is an African dining hall right here in Dubai, bringing together some guest chefs, some really well-known names, and frankly, busting a few myths and educating us on this amazing cuisine. He's also a Grammy and Tony Award-winning opera singer. His uncle Joe and his wife are classical musicians, and that's how he fell in love with his genre before he started in the kitchen. I studied the classics and piano with my aunt. Uh, I learned poetry, um, and I used to run around reciting English uh, sonnets. And and then I, I, I fell in love with opera, and they had an incredible opera collection. And so I did a lot of that as well. Um, so this was the nurturing of my music and my food beginnings. When did you think that food was going to be your career then? Was there a moment... So I hit the glass ceiling in 
opera, if you will. I'd gone as far as, far as black men in a, in a discipline that didn't make room for us uh, were allowed to go. Essentially, um, I was being represented by the best uh, American management, uh, Columbia artists, um, I could possibly be. But we could not break through the glass ceiling that would net me uh, major roles, mm -hmm. principal roles. And in my frustration, I had my uh, third and final audition at the Metropolitan Opera. And in that audition, uh, usually you sing an aria and start another, and then they tell you your fate. I sang two complete arias, started another, <laughs> while, while they were trying to figure out what to do next with me. So um, uh, Maestro interrupted, and he said, well, you know, I can... And I was studying at that time at the Paris How Opera. How old were you then? Oh, in my 30s. So I was studying at the Paris Opera, and uh, so he said, well, we can certainly see that you've, been, you've grown as an artist and blah, blah, blah. He says, and we'd like to offer you uh, a role. And so I was excited. He said, we'd like to offer you chorus in Porgy and Bess. And I had already won a Grammy and a Tony for a principal role in Porgy and Bess. So there I was. This is not a very going, exciting offer. Oh, and, and so... I don't know where the courage came from, but I simply said I wouldn't be interested in that. Well, my agent nearly passed out. She was sitting on the second row, and the, and they were like aghast, and I was done. I just had enough, and so I headed to the door, not even to my agent. She comes running behind me. What are we doing here? Don't, don't you have this great opportunity? You could come in through the back door and make some money. I said, it's not about the back door. It could be the side door. It could be the ceiling. But it has to be worthy of my, my work, my talent, where I am as an artist. That is not where I am. And, for have to, and to have someone, not even an individual, but an industry, be believe in you and want that representation and to celebrate that. Absolutely. So, so knowing your value. Well, I went home and contemplated my fate. By the next morning, I had decided that I was going to be a chef restaurateur. I love it. I love it. 18 months, <laughs> 18 months later... I was building my first restaurant. I mean, just, I didn't know what I was doing, but it didn't matter. You clearly did know what you were doing. <laughs> now, you are a mentor to so, so many. And I wondered if anyone's listening and they think, my goodness, this is, this is inspirational. And I would love to work in food. And as we said, it has become an aspirational industry in so many ways. When you have a brigade of young chefs, you have people knocking on your door wanting advice and wanting inspiration and leadership. Can you look at people and say, you've got it, you haven't got it, I find you interesting, you haven't got what it takes? What do you look for in, in young talent? Confidence. Confidence and the freedom to own what it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be um, courageous. Uh, you have to um, also have something to say. I mean, I, I, I say to people all the time, you know, anyone can learn to cook, but how do you cook your story? How do you tell your story? How do you speak your language through your culinary aspirations? And that has to be defined. And that also takes confidence, um, but it also takes focus. You have to want what you want like you've never wanted anything before. Because those hours are long <laughs> and the money's not great at the beginning. That's no, for sure. You know, Something has to keep you going. Yes. I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's in many ways um, 
like like the the business itself. You know, sometimes there are thankless moments. Sometimes you've pulled a, a double shift, and you're beyond exhausted and you have to say what is in this for me what what am i getting out of this you have to cook you have to be in this business because you know there's nothing else you want to do and if you're successful and if you become uh, uh, wealthy or uh, you succeed that's the byproduct but it cannot be the focus it's got to be yeah more now I need to ask you something. You hosted the incredible Alicia Keys after uh, she was here at the weekend, of course, that incredible concert on Friday night. What was on the menu? Oh, my. It's almost a blur. (laughs) (laughs) I love that answer already. It's almost a blur because, I mean, first of all, once Alicia arrives, it doesn't really matter what's on the menu. It's like it's Alicia, you know. Well, I will tell you, she is a pescatarian. And so uh, fish is, is foremost uh, for her and salads and vegetables. And, and so we had plenty of that. Um, she's very much um, accustomed to the food of, of sweet Ophelia's, which is my concept that uh, represents my, uh, my uh, culinary Afro-Asian American cooking. Uh, so we gave her lots of that. And uh, Chef Mame from Shoebox made her the most amazing cake, a good. hummingbird cake. Oh, yeah. good. Worthy yeah. of uh, <laughs> your friend and star. Now, this is yes. my last question to you, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I obviously will. If people are going to head down to Agbilan over the weekend, I don't feel like we've made them hungry enough about what things are on the menu. So could you maybe choose three or four dishes that you feel like are absolute must-tries. You haven't had the African dining hall experience until you have eaten My what, dear, Chef Alexander's that is the, the question that I am constantly resisting because it's sort of like, which, is your, which of your children, children. are the favorites? <laughs> you know, first of all, I have brought together you know, some extraordinary chefs from all over Africa and Europe who represent the African palate. Um, you know, and then, of course, I have... My your name's on there as well. Moments there, and, and clearly you must try those. But, <laughs> but there's not a bad meal in the place. There's not a cow you can't walk up to and have an incredible experience. We are really talking about mm. everything from jerk chicken and duck, goat ribs, plantain, oxtail yes, rice, yes, Mame's whole Congo fish, bar, grilled ho- fish. Um, I mean, we have it all here. Lots of wonderful oxtail dumplings, oxtail rice. There's so many delicious things to choose from. Well, I cannot thank you for bringing them to our Sandy Shores, <laughs> Chef, because Dubai's got an incredible array of cuisines, but yes. African cuisines have really been underrepresented for a long time. And I really hope that, and I, you know, having seen how much people have enjoyed it, it's going to give people a real appetite to eat more and more. So thank you so, so much oh, for you're your welcome. time. Really appreciate and, it. And, and, and Tell everybody to come out and join us. I think a lot of them already been. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chef. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food this hour and we all have visions of baking with our kids and 
you know, it all being a glorious experience until the decorating comes out, until they crack eggs in the batter and, and then it stops being so much fun. But we've got the experts on hand. Lama of Mama Lou's Kitchen is joining us live on the line to explain how we can bond with our kids this Christmas over baking without losing our minds and making too much of a mess. How are you, Lama? Hi, how are you, Helen? I am. How's everything? Everything is good. Everything's great. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say huge congratulations because you've been part of the Spinney's Incubator Programme and we can now find your products in the freezer section. If anyone's not familiar with your kind of foodie offering, how do you describe it and what can, what can we expect to find? Thank you so much. So it's called Easy Freezy. It's in the frozen uh, section of Waitrose and Spinney's. And it's um, frozen family meals. We have a lot of Arabic SKUs as well as kid-friendly ones like quinoa, crusted chicken tenders and smiley face pizza with hidden veggies. They're all family portions and freezer to oven. It must be so amazing. You, now, you do have the kitchen, which we filmed in before um, as part of Farmer's Kitchen, which is in the Kiel Mall. But to then create your own products and then see them on the shelves and see people putting them in their baskets, that must be an amazing feeling. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's all come together. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Of course. <laughs> but, but um, no, it's just, you know, we've we've always wanted to make mom's lives easier, whether, you know, sending your kids to, to make a mess in our kitchen <laughs> or, you know, sending your nannies for, for, to, to learn about healthy recipes for lunch boxes or just loading your freezer for days that you don't want to cook. And mm-hmm. so it's really nice to kind of um, see it. It's happening. Now, you are an incredibly talented cook yourself. You're also a mum. And we're here to talk, kind of talk about how we can cook together with our kids. And I'd love to get your advice, really, on how uh, things that we can make easily, some, some kind of hacks as well. So let's start with when do you start? What, what kind of things can children be doing in the kitchen? And at what age do you think, Lama? Um, I really think that it's never too young. Like literally I had my kids on blankets. Um, it, we had a breakfast room open to the kitchen. So we'd have their little kind of a blanket and they'd be on their elbows, you know, mm-hmm. just a couple of months old and just like looking at me cook and I'll get like a little bowl of flour. And then when they were like maybe eight months old, I remember getting a bowl of pasta mixed with coconut oil that they would just play with and then just kind of, uh, try to eat at um, so I, I believe from a young age and then they've got these really amazing stools now that they didn't have at my time the ones with the border mm. it's kind of yeah they're like they're, a, they're like a, I think they're like a like a Montessori thing it's called like a learning stool for toddlers yes they're yes, amazing they're, I, I don't think they had them for my kids either but there's a company called Made by Dad that I really love it's a gorgeous company and they make them and they can personalize them and it just means they can get to countertop level but still exactly. be safe safe yeah, I use the regular stool, like the IKEA stool, but but I think if you have those, it's much safer, and they can really, with whatever. I mean, uh, just even using measuring spoons and trying to, you know, put something or adding a bit of honey to something. And there's so many recipes that uh, don't require heat uh, that you can make. Like energy balls is mm-hmm. a great recipe that you could do just on a countertop that doesn't even require. A kitchen you could do outdoors in the garden and just put parchment paper on your table and and just make it outdoors and it's really fun and healthy i've i've just been sent photos of my daughter's 
doing the Spinney's Gingerbread House, which I... Oh, it's happening now. (laughs) I've just, I got sent photos at three o'clock and I was like, oh, oh man, it is literally one, one gummy for the house, one gummy for me. Icing is everywhere. There's no, there's no structural integrity to this house at all, but they are having so much fun. And I think that's a big, that is a big part of it. It's about that bit of messy play. And I'm reluctant to say that is because at the time I think I find it really stressful, but I appreciate the merit of it. I really do. Lama, you're staying with us this afternoon because we're going to be talking about how to turn their favourite kind of so-called junk food into a healthy alternative. Um, and But yes. before um, before we get to Hall & Oates, I'd love to get your take. If you if I was going to give you 500 dirhams to spend in spinnies, yes. what would you spend it on? For cooking with my kids? You mean? No, for you. <laughs> Whatever oh. you want. Oh, goodness. Oh, I love them. God, I love so many sections. I love their condiment section. <laughs> Do you know what? You're not alone. Yeah. Isabel has been in touch saying, I'd spend the voucher on exotic sauces and condiments. Those are the kind of things that will kind of ele- elevate so many meals and it'll just be in the yes. cupboard ready and to go. Salts. I love their salts. <gasps> yeah, like, the salt like- flakes. Amazing. Mm. Okay, yeah. so that's what that's what Lama would say. Lama from Mumley Kitchen is joining us this afternoon. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Talking kids and cookery this afternoon with Lama of Mamalu. They've got that kitchen where your kids can go along and make a mess on someone else's turf. They also do training courses and she's got her range in the frozen section of Spinney's as well. Lama from Mamalu joining us live on Teams. Um, Lama, I wanted to ask you about a, a picky child in my life, a certain four-year-old um, who loves the beige and doesn't seem to like anything else right now. And it's driving me to absolute distraction. I know an awful lot of parents saying that they're having problems with children's eating. Sometimes it's a routine thing. Sometimes perhaps we're a bit too permissive and we get, get into bad habits and their diet just becomes more and more limited. Do you have any advice on how to maybe turn that around or how we can even fool them a little bit and get some goodness into them without them even realising it? Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, we all have them. We all have the picky eaters. Um, just start them young, introduce them to new ingredients really, really young, the younger the better, and then just eat with them. And also so when you're introducing something new, um, whether it's something crazy like, sushi or you know like a vegetable just eat together as a family and maybe dip it in something they like like my kid will only eat broccoli if it's dipped in soy sauce it's the strangest (laughs) thing but he loves soy sauce so I try to get the you know uh, one without preservatives and he I go dip away you know as long as he's eating his broccoli and then the power of blending obviously like you mentioned hiding those vegetables in tomato sauces in you know, uh, pizza, pasta sauces in mac and cheese. You can hide a, a whole head of cauliflower in that what? bechamel sauce. What is this yeah. sorcery? How do you do that? <laughs> it's just white. It's beige. So is cauliflower. Cauliflower is beige. Um, so, I mean, don't put too much where they'll notice. But, um, yeah, that. And then also, I think, just giving them a choice. So my kids love ramen, but ramen has a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. So they have to pick one. Just one vegetable, and I'll add it to your noodle broth. Um, so whether it's baby corn, one chooses baby corn, one mushroom, and the other guy broccoli. And it's okay. It's just one vegetable, but they get to choose. Um, and also, they can like they. I try to convince them to taste everything, like a tiny bit. If they don't like it, they never have to try it again. Mm-hmm. But at least it gets them used to trying new flavors all the time. 
Um, so it's not like I don't want that adult who doesn't eat seafood. You know how you have some of them? I do. I, what I would say is it does. T- it can turn around. My brother, who's three years younger than me, had an entire year. I'm not. I'm honestly not exaggerating. Where all he would eat was mini baby bells, sausages, and toast. And now he's a really adventurous eater. But I know my mum was despairing, and it becomes quite an emotional thing when you cook for a child and they just say no yeah. because it's your time, it's your energy, it's your thought. And, you know, kids kids aren't there as being kind of considerate reviewers. They're just there pushing a plate away and being like, no, um, which I think is, uh, yeah, it, it, it can be super, super stressful. And, and for us, it's the, it's the constant demand for snacks out of out of the school um, school schedule. I'm hungry. OK, well, lunch is oh, yeah. I want a snack. I'm like, oh, God, <gasps> give me strength. Any any good snack tips? For um, because all she wants at the minute, uh, rice cakes and Barney bears, and I've I've tried to not oh. buy them, but then she comes to the spinnies with me, and my bill is considerably more than it would be if I hadn't shopped with the children. I mean, listen, with snacks, I think as much because when they're not hungry, they're not going to try anything. They True. really need to be hungry. So I try to do. I mean, after school snacks, I again bruschetta you'd be I don't know if you say mm. bruschetta or bruschetta I still don't know but my kids wouldn't eat uh, any bread except white bread and it drove me mad because I wanted to go back to sourdough or a whole wheat or something a bit healthier so then I get a piece of sourdough and I'm like this is amazing and they made it with me we got some cherry tomatoes balsamic vinegar olive oil put a garlic clove rubbed it on the toasted sourdough olive oil, salt flakes, and they tried it and they loved it. And now they have it, I think, three or four times a week for breakfast. So I think once also kids kind of are engaged in the cooking process mm-hmm. and, you know, feel like they're a part of it, they make their own guacamole again, you know, and then now we do Mexican breakfast, which is a tortilla wrap, guacamole, and a fried egg. So I think if if they're introduced to new things, but realistically, um I like to say realistically because some parents give them, you know, like carrot puree, and that's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. No one would be I'm, excited about that. You yeah. can't blame a kid for turning their nose up at the carrot puree. Oh, <laughs> no. exactly. So snacks, I think, just um, what do I what do I put? I put a lot of. I I try to do the lunchbox where I have, for example, three fruits. My kids like fruits. Mm-hmm. I'll put like three kind of fruits, and then I'll do savory. And nothing too snazzy, like, you know, like, um, there's a lot of easy freezies that I put on sex. Like, we have, like, these um, chicken wraps, and and they're not free, so I add these, or, like, a cheese sandwich, a boiled egg. Really, nothing too creative, but I try to not put large portions so they can actually eat the lunch. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said nothing too creative, because there's nothing like a Pinterest mum to make me feel... Totally no, inadequate. No. So you're not making bento box scenes of you no, know, little rice lambs. Okay, perfect. No, Good. No. That, that, that does genuinely help. Also, I think <laughs> for, for me, I, I've had kind of successful moments when there's other kids there, that kind of the power of the peer pressure. Um, you know, if they go to someone else's house for a play date or they're having, you know, a meal. So sometimes I'll put, you know, kind of, a, you know, things I haven't tried before when I know they're going to be with another kid who would eat it. <laughs> I mean, some yeah. might call it bullying. I just think it's it's really good strategy. But we're also really lucky to be in a part of the world where chances are our kids are going to be friends with children from all over the world. So, you know, 
I, I genuinely hadn't had hummus until I arrived in Dubai. My kids have hummus. They, they they talk about they haven't had sushi, but they talk about sushi. They talk about you know just all this exposure to to different flavors. And I think we're really lucky in that respect that you know if you do go to a brunch or you go to a cafe and you're ordering food, there's far more options than, than I certainly would have had as a child growing up. To school, and so there's a lot of Arabic stews that go in there, and there's this Arabic stew which is a jute leaf stew called luchia, and it's green. It's like it looks like spinach mush. Mm-hmm. It, and and one time, one of my kids came back and he was bullied for <laughs> for having luchia for lunch. He's like, "Mom, this is so uncool, and you know why do I have to eat this?" I mean, he likes it. They do. They do. And so I find it fascinating. I'm like, listen, everybody's from a different culture right. and that's what's nice. And you get to learn about other foods as well. So that's the yeah amazing thing about Dubai that you get to try all these things. I don't think every kid is different for me. Definitely. I think when they're sitting with other people, whether ad, like us as parents or kids or in a restaurant setting with family, they're definitely much more uh, willing to experiment and especially definitely. anything engaging. So Tapanyaki bars, you know, the mm. Chinese hot pot, that Mongolian hot pot. Yeah, Korean barbecue. Oh, yeah, okay, you're giving me some ideas. I have to say, my mum is currently on a plane and there's nothing like the, the power of Granny Babs to get my kids to try some food. So I'm hoping that they'll be on Babs's food boot camp for the next couple of weeks and this <laughs> is going to turn them around for the new year. Lama Jamal, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really, really do appreciate thank it. Thank you. Um, as I said, you can find Mamalu Kitchen in the Kilmall, the Pachika, and the incredible Easy Freezies um, in Spinney's stores in the freezer section. Feel better. Have a wonderful weekend. And Thank we'll talk so to you very soon. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking about the latest food news now. And I always love your recommendations. Where have you been recently? What have you eaten recently? What are your plans on the food front this weekend? Um, because we're talking food news now with Kaiser. Um, he is a creative director of Street Diversions. And I have to say, Kaiser, you might be the best dressed guest we've ever had in the studio. Are you sure? I am 100% sure. From the Crocs to the pink top knot and then a kind of circus master military situation in between. I'm in, I'm in awe. I, I'm starting to believe you. <laughs> I am, honestly. I'm like, I'm in, I've got my black dress on. I've got my nice wedges on. I've never felt more boring in my life. You can tell you're a creative director. You look fabulous. Well, thank you. Just to start it with that. So for me, it's like I'm an artist. So for me, I I, uh, am creating with no limits. I start with myself and I express it out to the world. Now, can we talk? We're going to be talking about Street Diversions, which opened just last night at the Madnap. But before we get to there, let's talk about you. Where are you you from? How long have you been in Dubai? What's your story? So my story, I was based in Essex and Basildon. So I owned a dance school and a theatre company between uh, Essex and London. So we were very, very successful for a long, long time. Uh, my Some of my credits, I did the Olympics opening ceremony 2012 wow. London. I, uh, eight months before that, we did shows for Barack Obama, the Queen. 2010, I broke the world record in Stamford Bridge with Peter Crouch. Wow. Yeah, so I did a bunch of things. And um, in 2003, I was the casting director for all of Madonna's tours. 
So yeah, I was that was a big thing in London. I love it. And now you're here. Yes, I've been in Dubai for almost six years now. I came here and set up my agency, dxpfirst.com. It's been an incredible ride until Corona times made it very difficult. Yeah, really, really challenging on... Well, we think about the performers a lot and we think about the musicians. My brother's a drummer and he had three tours cancelled, you know, it's been horrendous. But not just the, not just the performers, it is events, crew, roadies, lighting guys, the whole way, top to bottom. You have no idea. I'm telling you, we walked into 2020 as an agency. I had 62 full-time agents in my office. We were almost running up to 140 events activations per week not <gasps> per month we had the biggest operation in the middle east we were the main suppliers for all the fmb so we were supplying to burj al arab brits carlton's four seasons all the address hotels i was the key guy to go to even with jamira i was doing all the music for sarhud hospitality mm-hmm. mira's hospitality i was working closely with the marketing team from dubai retail and then the 14th of march showed up Mm-hmm. There was a button, and everything was cancelled. With no, with like, well, and this is the. Th- I think this is why so many people struggled professionally, but also personally and emotionally. It was that sense of uncertainty. When are things going to get back to normal, if ever? Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye one hundred three point eight. Exciting news on the food front. The entertainment front as well as we're joined now by Keza Ayam, the creative director of Street Diversions, which just opened last night. And so you're looking very fresh-faced, given that there were probably very enjoyable celebrations until who knows what time. Yes, yes, they are on. They are on to the night. It, it was an incredible success for me. You know, media night. We had everybody uh, that we love, we care about, we invited yesterday. We kind of, <coughs> it was our soft opening right here, dude. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know <laughs> Next I know. week. Next so, week. Now it's a brand new, and it's it's a brand new concept as well. It's kind. It's just taken over a really prime spot at Souk Madnat. Can you explain where you are and who you are? Yes, 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 yes. So we are based in Souk Medinat Jamir uh, at the amphitheater. So for myself, as I mentioned earlier, we are an event company initially. And then I've been running events. So last year and the year before, I did the Christmas festive uh, for Dubai Ritza mm-hmm. and the year before. So the choir was involved in the tree and all the entertainment, all of that good stuff. So I know the location very well. And then the opportunity came along, you know, through hard time, through transitions. We couldn't do a bunch of things. And my wife came up with this crazy idea. Why don't we open a restaurant? And I was like, really? <laughs> you want to open a restaurant during a pandemic? Yes. You lost your mind, woman. Then, then you know, like any other pitching, I created the concept. I uh, looked pretty. I sent it to a bunch of investors, and we were like, nobody's going to invest any money right now. And then somebody responded back, and he said, like, yeah, tell me more about this madness. Well, when you tell us more, it is quite different to anything else that's available in Dubai right now because there's a real entertainment angle that obviously you, is your background that you're hugely passionate about. So we're talking almost like dinner dinner and a show. 100%. For me, I have been a supplier in Dubai, for Dubai, for all the top brands here in Dubai for almost seven years. So I know everything and I know how perfection. <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> I know how the five-star experience looks like and feel like. And what we wanted to do and we wanted to create a diversion from that. We wanted to be extremely authentic, extremely 
extremely original because I know what everybody does. And then what we've done, I went to work with a couple of my assistants and created something completely new. You would not see it anywhere else in the world. Does that make sense? We go from contemporary to Moulin Rouge to numbers like Vegas ready numbers. Some of the numbers are so explosive and Dubai is not ready for. Dubai, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> and, and all the experience uh, and all the entertainment that we have is really immersive. We bring the entertainment to you. You are part of the show. And yeah. We have got a message saying, what is the name of this place at Sukhumatha? It's called Street Diversions and you've got... A great menu. The food, the food looks phenomenal. But how often are the performances? Do you need to be, you know, if you go at, at dinner at seven o'clock, do you need to stay there until 10 before you actually see something on the stage? Oh, we are focused literally Sunday to Saturday, if I'm saying it right, between 5 p.m. and 11.30. There will be shows every 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Our primary focus is the dinner shows. Of course, this weekend we will start the brunches. We have an incredible concept and theme for Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. Like what I said last night, if you haven't booked your Christmas do, please mm-hmm. do. You better mm-hmm. move it. So if you've got any questions, let us know. Can we talk about the food? What what kind of cuisine? It's pan it's pan Asian uh, because we looked what's around and who we can collaborate with and what we can create. And also, when you're in a, in a space like Superman Natchamira, you yeah. want to make sure you're not kind of competing with someone directly. It's got to be complementary, right? We complement Sukhmadina Jamira with the Sukhmadina team and the management there and the marketing team. We come up with this concept. Uh, they assisted us a lot. Does it make sense? And mm-hmm. we got a lot of support from Sarhud Hospitality to develop a menu that it's not anywhere. We're not competing with anybody in the mall in terms of food and also anyone in the GCC in terms of entertainment. I'm telling you. And I forgot to tell you as well, what? me and my wife, we have created a full album and it's called Street Diversions. And the seven songs, I will send them to you after the show. Good. They are incredible. We making people sing along to I'm them. I'm loving this Thursday energy. You are exactly what I needed. I had a massive bowl of pasta and I was like, oh, I'm feeling a bit sleepy this afternoon. And in you come with a pink top knot, looking like the greatest showman, inviting Dubai to a party. I love it. But, but you know, you said the best word ever because my initial inspiration, if you look at the press uh, brief and everywhere I sent outside, is the greatest showman. Amazing. But I didn't want to say it. <laughs> you said it back to me. That, that was the initial inspiration. We just, that was the starting point. We looked at the amphitheater. What can this be? Because what we are, we're not a restaurant. We are a destination. Well, what I want to know from you, sir, mm-hmm. Kaiser, is... Uh, What's your three-word Thursday? How is your... I mean, I mean, I might... I think for me, three-word Thursday would be the greatest showman. What's yours? Oh, my God. You took my words. You can uh, use it. I'll, I'll let you have it. Um, fabulous. <laughs> immersed with happiness. I'll give you four because you, you, you're you in the studio. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Joined in the studio by Dubai's greatest showman. I am coining the phrase. We've got Kaiser joining us. The creative director of Street Diversions opened just last night at Sukhmad Natchamir. It is an urban theatre concept where you get more than dinner in a show um, and it's every half an hour full range of entertainment and it sounds absolutely brilliant. Lots of people saying they want your playlist. So we'll talk about this when we can talk about it. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, before we talked about the latest 
latest food news. What would you spend 500 dirhams on if I was to give it to you for spinnies? I love spinnies. I love spinnies. It's literally, I live in executive towers. It's underneath my house. Oh, yeah, this is fair, it is, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will spend most of my time in the bakery section. I love the muffins, the freshness <sighs> of those cakes okay. so much. So all the carbs yes. for Kaiser. All right. What about you? Let us know. Now, New Year's Eve, are you a fan? Yes, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is you as a person or you as an entertainer and someone who's involved in that industry? I, I think both because it's kind of the closure of the year and the beginning of the new chapter of your personal or business. Okay. I like, see, I think about that about my birthday. Like that tends yes. to be my kind of marker, which mm-hmm. is why I, I often cry on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas New Year's, <laughs> I can personally kind of take or leave it. There's already, in fact, I think a lot of people already booked up, booked yes. out. What are you guys doing at Street Diversion for New Year's? We, we, the shows that we have already, we're going to make them bigger. bigger. We have uh, an incredible concept for New Year's Eve that you have to be there to witness it. And what we're doing right now over the full days, we are making sure that we're giving you a taste of what's to come and what's already here. Before so, you blow our socks off. Come 100%. Midnight. Obviously, brilliant fireworks around there. So we've got some pretty amazing options here in Dubai. Yes. We, we're planning on just getting out. We're going to go camping, I think. And I haven't told my mum and dad this yet. I'm not sure they're going to be on board. But hey, hey. Um, now we've, we've got some options. There's options from under 500 dirhams, Baby Q and Media One, all the way up to... 7,777. How much is too much, do you think? When would you start to kind of go, not sure about that? I think the average between 500 and 1,500 sounds fair. Uh, Depending on the package as well, right? 100%. But yeah. I think there is places charging like 4,000, 5,000. And also some places that are maybe unlicensed but just happen to have an incredible view of Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Or anything kind of on that level around the Dubai Mall by the fountains. They're like, yeah, we're just going to be bang, 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 printing money. And you can come and sit here and have a, you know, some pretty average food, but get a really good Instagram shot. <laughs> I know because the demand is very high because everyone really around December time start thinking festive, festive, festive. They kind of ignore everything. You have Christmas, then New Year's Eve. And New Year's Eve for everybody is universal. Everybody talks the same language for that one day. We need to kind of put a closure to this year and start a new chapter. I think Every- we do. I keep, and I keep on thinking about 2022. It sounds like we're having a redo of 2020, which we all need. So I'm going into it with a bit of positivity. Let me know on 4001. Have you sorted out your New Year's Eve? What kind of, you know, benchmark would you give to price? What would you kind of think would be an all right amount to spend and why? Are you sorted? Staying in or going out? Let me know on 4001. I'm very keen to get your take, okay, so on the weekend news. You know, we're, suddenly we all hear it's going to be changing from 1st of January. I'm personally very happy because I think we're going to get an extra day of over that weekend before coming back to work. But what does it mean for events industry, for the restaurant business as well? It's welcome news or have you got your so-called reservations? No, no, no reservation. I think I would say about time because for us, we are, especially Dubai now, where it is and where it's set itself, we are a global hub Mm -hmm. to the rest of the world. For the weekends to be the same, that is the most important thing because sometimes when I try to reach out to my friends in the US, they were like, why are you calling me today? I'm back to work on Monday. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think in terms of normality and, and being kind of, 
align with the rest of the world, it's, it's the right thing to do. Should have been done a lot sooner. In terms of business, I think it's going to add a lot of value to us and it's going to extend our weekend a little bit longer. It, well, it's within a couple of hours of that announcement going out, I was getting press releases about we're doing a Saturday brunch. I was like, oh, someone's, someone's on it. This is no hesitation. So in theory... In theory, yes. there could be a Friday brunch if people are finishing work at 12 o'clock. There could uh, be a Saturday brunch. So we could, be, I mean, you could be doing the double. And even a Sunday brunch. You remember, they, they will do a late, late, <laughs> ah. a late, late Friday brunch. Then you have the Saturday, which is the Friday, Friday. brunch, which people normally, there's a lot of uh, venues now doing a Saturday brunch. They move that to Sunday. So technically, ah. that's, a, that's more business for us. It's more brunches. And we know how much the we love brunches. Livers quivering in anticipation <laughs> across the UAE. This. So yeah, it is, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I've I've been in Dubai 15 years now. So when I came here, it was I was 24, and it was about like the the big Friday brunch where you go to places where it was so big you'd be given a map, <laughs> you know, and then you're like, oh, this is this is next next level, and it, you'd be queuing in buffets and you know yada yada yada. And a few things have changed obviously since then. I've got considerably older. I've had kids, and my attitude towards food has changed as well. I love the idea of a brunch going somewhere that. The food is is the priority um, yeah. and you might be able to sample the menu, perhaps for less money actually than you might pay for dinner. And ideally it's served to you. I don't, I don't want to queue for food. And you can sit down at the same, at the same time as, as you know, yes. your, your friends. Otherwise you're up, you're down, you sit down for 30 seconds and actually talk to each other. And then of course we have COVID <laughs> chucking a nice spanner in the works when it comes to buffets. I feel like that the brunch idea has somewhat evolved over yes. the last couple of years both personally for me as a as a diner but also in, in the industry and in, in dubai and in, in kind of globally when we look at food safety as well do you have plans to do a brunch is that on on your agenda we have brunch of course now we have the thursday no sorry uh, uh, friday. Oh too soon begins. too soon <laughs> so we actually have a friday brunch that uh, starts uh, this week and we have a saturday brunch then the saturday brunch we go on to move it to a boat so the saturday what uh, Brunch is going to be in a boat in January. That's what I'm talking about. But that's confusing now because Saturday is going to be Sunday and Friday is going to be Saturday. Listen, brunches is a big thing. Like imagine for the whole world, like um, New Year's Eve is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then brunch is for the end of, you know, working week. You've done your work. You've done everything. And it's your time to kind of to give back to yourself to communicate and socialize I, I spoke to a really well-known author recently Candice Williams who is based out of the UK and she was over for a book fair and I was like oh what are your plans for the weekend she was like oh not much you know we're going to brunch tomorrow and I was like uh hold up are you talking about what you might call brunch in London where you go out and you have some eggs benedict are you talking about a Dubai brunch she was like no 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 I'm no a, a Dubai brunch it's one of the hotels I was like oh babe Buckle up, because the rest of the world does not do brunch like Dubai does, I have to say. And it's definitely still got its place. What I would say is uh, COVID cases are on the rise, folks. So if you are booked in for brunches over the weekend, have fun. Be responsible. Mask up, um, because, yeah, numbers are up. I wanted to ask you actually about your seating, because the weather is unbelievable right now. um, And... I think a lot of people, for safety reasons as well, are gravitating towards outdoor venues. Is that the case with you guys? It's 100%. Uh, it's kind of uh, like what I said to the rest of the team is our time to shine. is only us and God. There is no roof. It's 100%. You and the stars. Uh, yes, we and the stars. Only 
only outdoor and it's incredible it's outdoor season you know and it's 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 beautiful it's working we are maintaining the social distancing face masks on and we know what needs to be done we haven't had any issues and Good it's incredible man farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 have to say, I shouldn't play favourites, but probably the best dressed guest we've ever had in the studio is here. I will put something on social media so you can see. Kaze, I'm the creative director of Street Diversions, which opened just last night. Uh, Dubai's newest immersive entertainment and dramatic dining destination. It is at Sukhumad Nachimura. So we're talking food, cocktails and a whole lot of entertainment as well. Can I ask you about when it comes to working in the entertainment industry? It's notoriously difficult to crack. I think any parent would hear their child go, oh, I want to be an actor or mummy, I'm going to be a drummer. And they go, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's nice, dear. What does it take to make it, do you think? I think it's commitment, love and dedication. Whatever you do, if you have the love for it and you give it time mm-hmm. and commitment, it will pay you back. For me, as long you don't have to really go to these big universities to study music. I met incredible musicians that failed miserably in their kind like of... The academic side of yeah, it. Yeah, I... I Incredible. For me, it's love and passion. If you want it, you will make it work. Uh, make it to the professional world. You just have to do what you do and just let people know that you are there and keep sharing your passion through the social, through the internet. You will get picked up that way. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It's, it's back in, you know, traditionally, yeah. you would need, well, a lot of time, a lot of money, definitely an agent or two. Whereas now you can really self promote as much as possible. 100%, 100%. Dubai still, we're talking about Dubai, still relies on agencies, especially big brands. They come to us for the security and the safety. Yeah, and, but the, fa- and the fact that you can pull together people from different you know, genres and disciplines. and Anything. We can source anything. But I, we saw a trend for the last three years. A lot of standalone restaurants mm-hmm. like to pick it themselves. Mm-hmm. They go to direct to the artists. They are looking for local artists because they want to mix it up because we have an incredible and very, very talented community of freelancers here are available at your hand. Does that make sense? But if you want something specific, it's good to go to agencies. But for individuals, as long as you're good and you have the talent, just surround yourself with in that community and try to do your best to get into those spaces. Open mic night and all of that good stuff. And Mark Lloyd you know, showed, we've just heard some incredible local musicians. And I think we forget that sometimes. I actually had went to the Spinney's um, 60th birthday party, yeah. um, which was just a few weeks ago. And I honestly have felt so, I don't know how to put it, how, how kind of starved for live music over the last yes. couple, of mo- um, yeah. couple of years. I really, really have. And there was an incredible um, artist there performing. And it, he was very much there as a kind of, you know, he he wasn't there as a performer on the stage. He was there for some background music. But so people weren't clapping because it would have felt weird to do that. And I went over at the end and I was like, dude, you almost made me cry. And if people don't clap, it's not because they don't think you're amazing. It's just because it's not right in the moment. But you need to know how talented you are. Thank you for saying that, because even me and my wife, we got a little bit fed up of being just a background, just being there. And this is what we reversed in Street Diversions. Mm. Audience have to clap after every number. Good. It literally, and in our amphitheater, Street Diversion, we have six platforms, six stages in one venue. So we made it about the arts. So we flipped that upside down. Mm -hmm. So literally, we demand after we finish a number, 
recognition. Yeah, you have to give us love. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you have to pay for your dinner <laughs> twice. <laughs> But, but it, it is so important. And, yes. I, you know, as, as I was saying, my brother's a musician and he's had a, obviously a very tough time over the last couple of years. And he's a, he's a jazz drummer by trade. Yes. And I remember going to some jazz clubs with him in Boston, which, full disclosure, not my cup of tea, yeah. but whatever. And after every single solo, every single improv spot that this, the guys were getting up, I was like, this is their moment. You need to show... I mean, I'm I'm a fan of telling someone how great I think they are in, in any walk of life. But I think in, in music in particular. And last year there was a Christmas show at the Trade Centre. And I remember looking back and it was, you know, we were still in the, you know, the height of COVID being, the numbers were still quite high. So capacity was low. You know, they were being very, very careful in terms of the audience members. And I remember looking back and thinking, there aren't that many people here because the capacity is so limited. Yeah. And there were performers on that stage of just a world-class level and I I sat and cried and I thought I, this isn't for me yeah. I am so thrilled for these performers that they're able to get back on stage and do what they love what their passion is what they're paid to do yes. because my goodness that was that was a tough time 100% it was tough and even with my agency and all the freelance community we are still recovering of from course. what happened to us almost 19 months ago it's been difficult but us working with live musicians and live music brings life to venues, mm-hmm. bring life to brunches, bring life to ladies' night, and all the activations that we do. Live music is imperative, is important. It is. It's, it's just, it, it just, it just, you know, goes goes through you. It mm-hmm. brings you back in. It makes memories. It really, really does. Hundred percent. And I'm so thrilled that, as I said, we're here to. You know, kind of mark the happy news that Dubai is making some big strides through through what you guys are doing. So I was going to say, massive thank you for your time today. Couldn't uh, couldn't be happier. Can you tell us where we could, people can find out more? Book tables, see some of the talent on social um, at Street Diversions. Simple words. Check out on all the socials and uh, uh, dot com. Street Diversions, one word, or street dash diversions.com you'll find us everywhere Google, I, think, I think everyone social. needs a few happy diversions right now 100%. so there Souk Madnat Jamira opened just last night you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys only on Dubai Eye 103.8 I'm Helen Farmer and I have merrily been eating my way around Expo and I'm willing to make a pretty big claim here I think I found the best donuts in the world so I had to hunt down the guy who made them. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food at Expo, and one of the places that has blown up in terms of popularity, and you're lucky if you can get through the door at certain times of day, is Bread Ahead. Started in London, this is one of the first international outposts here at Expo 2020, and it's been quickly known as serving just a few things, but doing them incredibly well. Sourdough pizza of just two varieties, margarita and a beet street so and filled donuts that, well, I'm on a personal mission to try them all. We're joined now by the founder, Matthew Jones. Matt's here in town to find out a bit about the vibe, what's going on, and maybe look, we hope, at coming here on a permanent basis. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. This is a bit of a baked goods uh, hotspot. What's your own background? Are you a baker yourself? Yeah, so my background, I, I left school and I was actually a chef, so I worked in Michelin restaurants for the first 15 years of my career, cooking sort of guinea fowl and chicken and fish and all of it. 
and then I kind of migrated into the bakery world. It's quite an unusual thing because you tend to be as a chef, you're, you know, you're there working your way through the ranks of the kitchen and the pastries tend to be a bit of a separate discipline. You have your pastry chefs who are there as that, the alchemy, the science really of, of that kind of exquisite detail. So to make this, the change must have been a bit of an adjustment. How did it come about? I think, to be honest, it was that nobody else really wanted to do pastry. I always had that ability to kind of turn my hand to things. You know, I'm just good at making stuff. So when I was at Babendum Restaurant in, back in the day with Simon Hopkinson, I kind of ended up in pastry, making chocolate pativiers and ice cream. And, you know, for me, it's a recipe. It's fairly simple. And then I, I worked for Conrad Restaurants for a long time and ended up running one of the bakeries in Soho. And then I thought, let's open a business. And, you know, here I am all those years later in Dubai. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about Borough Market and what that atmosphere is like for anyone who hasn't had the, had the eating pleasures of that part of the world? Oh, yeah. I mean, Borough Market is probably my favourite place in the world. It is. I'm very fortunate I live there and I have the bakery based there. It is an amazing kind of boiling pot of of talent and food and creativity and seasonality. It's a wonderful place to visit, overflowing with flavours and, yeah, don't get me going. It's amazing. I love that. You go there empty, you sample, you buy, and as you say, come across chefs and dishes and nibbles that have gone on to become really big names, such as, such as Bread Ahead. But how did COVID affect that atmosphere where people weren't able to come together and sell their wares? F&B's been hugely affected over the last couple of years. What about you guys? We didn't close for one day. So we were um, very fortunate during the pandemic that we made a couple of changes. Basically took all of our teaching, uh, created an online experience that was amazing, massive. So we've now got a global audience of home bakers. But for the retail part of the business in London, we didn't close at all. I think one of the big, and I don't want to say trends, but maybe one of the big movements that's come out of the pandemic is that, that need and desire for comfort food. And that's too, you know, something that you guys do incredibly well. You are UK born and bred and as soon as I came here a couple of weeks ago I posted on my Instagram about this pizza blew my mind only to have Italian friends and pizza shop owners in Dubai going what's the point of difference tell us about it what flavors have they got tell us it's a sourdough how did you come up with your own pizza and what makes it that point of difference do you think Matt it's all about giving a big experience with all of the food we do so I mean I'm, I'm a big fan of New York I, I'm a Londoner but I, I love traveling and I go to New York four times a year but during the pandemic I couldn't go there so I thought I'm gonna bring New York pizza to London I'm, I'm gonna do it and just make those big pizzas slice them up loads of cheese you know and I mean I really indulged lots of garlic lots of flavor and simple like like if you go to Naples you know you have two types that's it the donuts however many a flavor I had an existential crisis in front of your donut counter a few weeks ago and I was like do I want to have a pistachio because I've heard that's amazing but I love lemon curd and I went with lemon curd do you have a personal favorite yourself yeah, I sort of go on this little journey with them. So at the <laughs> moment, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in pistachio, and then I'm kind of break out of that, and then I'll probably go back to vanilla. But I, I kind of rotate them in my, my, over the year. They're grown-up donuts. That's what I love. And when I came with my kids, I was like, we'll get a jam donut, but we're going to do that donut challenge where you're not allowed to lick your lips. And my four-year-old was practically in tears because the sugar, they're just 
unbelievable, Matt. They really, really are. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've changed the offering or adjusted the offering for the expo audience, for a group of people from all over the world, obviously a big Dubai contingent? How does it differ to your original offering in terms of what's on the menu? It's 90% the same, so it, it seems to work the world over. We, we do have a big um, Middle Eastern, Eastern audience in London anyway. I mean, we introduced a couple of new flavours here. We've done saffron, we've done pistachio. And they are flying. You know, that's a, they're massive hits here. So There's also the opportunity to learn how to make them. As you said, that education element was really important during the pandemic in terms of reaching out to your loyal customers and, and reaching other people. We're actually sat at a table now and you're doing regular donut workshops. How do they tend to pan out and how have they gone so far? I mean, we're, we're good at teaching. You know, that's the, um, the backbone of it all. So my, my mum was a, a teacher and a careers advisor. So that, I was always brought up in this sort of kind of educational world of teaching people and showing people how to do things. And I think for me, having the school inside the business, it's a, it just gives a much deeper experience to the customer. So we give them a much more immersive experience than just coming and buying a donut. They can come and make it with us. They can understand it. They can really sort of pull it all apart. Matt, you're also here, um, I hope, as a bit of a recce about maybe coming to Dubai full-time. Do you think it would be a good spot for Bread Ahead to, to set up a permanent home post-expo? Definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm actually on the lookout now. So if anybody's um, got a nice little space for us somewhere, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, if there's a, I'm sure I can find one just around the corner from my house on a purely selfish basis. Bread Ahead is in the Bibbidity District. As I said, a real little corner of London with a bit of, uh, a bit of New York and a whole lot of sweetness as well. Thank you so much for your time today. and really hope to have you, uh, as I said, permanent home in Dubai in the next few months. Fingers crossed. A pleasure. Lovely to be here and come and see us at the Expo. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Don't forget, you can tune in live to Farmer's Kitchen every single Thursday afternoon on Dubai Eye 103.8 between 2 and 5 p.m.